0: Funny ladies. Hello.
1: Hello. Thank good day. You. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> hello. Good day. This is Three Funny Ladies, the <laughs> podcast.
2: The podcast.
1: Susan J. Cokes. That's Joe Bailey. And hello. Oh, and on hello. the ones and
2: twos is Brandy Joe. <laughs>
1: Welcome to All Hallows Eve.
2: Wait, huh? What? I don't know.
1: That was a (laughs) while ago. Yeah, it was. How are you today? You've had a big week.
2: (laughs) How am I? That's hilarious. Well, gentle listener. (laughs) It's been quite a journey.
1: It's been one week since you looked at me.
2: (laughs) It's been quite a journey. I am good today. Yesterday was not so much the day before, not so much, but today I am fine. I am better. So I should I, should I, should I tell the people?
1: Well, it's up to you. I mean, at this point, they're going to be like, um, both people are going to be like, what the fuck? If they don't ever know. Both people. Sure, sure, sure.
2: So, um, ancestry.com is a hell of a thing. To make a long story short, I found out that I have a half-brother from my father who had a dalliance while he was overseas. So, it's been um, weird. Uh, He reached out to me. He actually reached out through our theater's website and asked me to contact him. So, I did. I was mean at first. And then, because I'm me, I was nicer. And, um, obviously I will be getting a DNA test, but he looks like my dad, like he, he full on fucking looks like himself. There's that we've been talking. Yeah. That, I mean, that's kind of it. Anyone else have that experience? I do. <laughs> that's right. You do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to talk about that or no, you, don't uh, have you to, know, obviously, I have- yeah.
1: Three secret siblings that my father sired uh, while he was married Sire? to Sire? my mother. I think it went that family, then my sister, then that family, that family, then me, is what I think mm-hmm. how that all went down. But, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um But I also think the difference, too, or a difference, is that it seems as though, at least this was the word a couple of days ago, was that your father may not have known about this gentleman.
2: Um, Everyone, including this gentleman, everyone that I have talked to, we do not believe that he knew. In talking to my aunt today... I don't know that my mother knew, you know, the first thing that people have said, like my mother's best friend, we called her. And the first thing people of that generation have said is, well, he was in the service as though that is some sort of, uh, pass, I guess. Um, my biggest thing is if this guy was older, it would be different if he was older than me and my brother would be different. It'd be like, okay, it sucks that he cheated on my mom, but you know. He was in the service, but this man is younger than I am. So my dad had a whole ass family. So it, it, that makes it a little, a little wonky dunks, but you know, I don't think my father knew about him. I don't know if my mother knew about the events. I have a feeling knowing my mom, they probably had this thing where she was like, while you're overseas, you do you. And I don't want to hear about it. It sounds like something my mother would do. Um, so, and I only say that just because, and maybe this is just me being naive, but I just don't know that my dad would have done it otherwise. Also this guy's mom like knows things about us. So, I feel like there was a pass and my dad took it, Mm -hmm. you know, so whatevs, it's fine. There's nothing I can do about now. I mean anyone I could ask is dead. My aunt and uncle seem to think that's probably true. My cousin thinks it's probably true. The other cousin because this came about my cousin on my dad's side who I knew of but I didn't know. Um she was trying to find a long lost sibling and she found this man and it listed them as cousins mm. and then cuz he just recently found out that his father that he grew up with is not his father. Um and so he was like you know who's my dad would you know who my dad is and out of process of elimination and things this cousin of mine they figured out it was my dad so i still have to get a dna test i'm also requesting my father's military records to confirm uh where he was when um so i'm doing my due diligence but i mean this dude looks like my dad he looks like my dad so you know it is what it is (laughs) Um, it's the
1: truth. There's nothing you can do about it.
2: There's not a goddamn thing I can do about it. So you just sort of move on, I guess. Yeah. Um yeah. So
1: it's funny the the feelings that this sort of thing brings up. And just sort of like because you're just talking about how he's younger than you, like when I found out about my 3 half siblings. This was about probably about four years ago. It was just so important because my father, my father got around um, obviously, but he was married once before my mother and had three children from that marriage that my, I have a full fledged sister. So we, the five of us all grew up together, but I was always the baby. And so when I found out about this new family, I was like, I better still be the baby.
2: That's funny.
1: And, my situation is that I am still the baby so I am sorry that you are not the baby.
2: Yeah, yeah, my whole thing of it it's funny because I I'm not the dad portion of it is the least upsetting portion which Probably people wouldn't understand, but that's the least upsetting portion of it. The most upsetting portion to me is that I I have an older brother already who is deceased. I'm sure everyone knows that by now. Um, And the thought of him having a half brother who is younger, that is something that sort of makes me sick to my stomach. So I told this guy, I'm not sharing Michael. Michael is mine. I grew up with him. He's mine and he's gone so there's nothing you can do about it anyway so we'll just leave it at that so that was really what's been most upsetting me the past two days um i'm not sure why i don't know you know it was just the two of us and so to think that there was a person out there that shares dna that we didn't know about you know it's less it's less of a me thing and more of a i don't want michael to have another sibling <laughs>
1: It's so funny to think of like back when both of us were children, there were people in the world related to us that we had no idea that they were out there.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm really thinking about that now. And it's like when I got married, I had a half brother out there. When I was a child, there was some baby that was related to me, you know. It's just very strange. Like, even little thoughts like, when I went to see this movie, there was some guy out there. That <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, it's very, it's very strange. Um, so, it's being to, I've talked with him on the phone now.
1: He's very nice. He, I was just going to say, does he seem like a nice man?
2: He's very nice. Um, he is married. He is married. He has two he has children.
1: children.
2: Um, He... he you know he's coming from a different perspective obviously he thought the dad that he had you know he just recently found out that wasn't his dad um and his dad wasn't great so to find out that someone different is his dad is exciting to him he's also lost a sister and so to find a sister is a different perspective for him so it's like we have opposite feelings.
1: But I think that's so I don't mean to interrupt, but I just think that's so fascinating that he has lost his sister and you have lost a brother. Yes. And like and now this discovery is made.
2: Right. And get this. He has another brother. He has another half brother, but they grew up as brothers, you know, to them they're full brothers. They grew up together. Um his brother's name is Michael. (laughs) That's crazy. And my brother's name is obviously Michael. His middle name is Michael. And my middle name is Michelle. And my mother did that to match my brother, Michael. So there's things that are just
1: weird. Do you know the name of his sister that passed away?
2: He may have told me, you know, the past two days have been just. Sure. So there's a lot of stuff I remember. I can can look it up later. He may not have, but he, he may have told me. So it's just weird. And like I was talking to my aunt today and I haven't spoken to my aunt I would spoken to my aunt right after my mother died. My mother and my aunt had a tumultuous relationship. Um, My life is like a Jerry Springer show, quite honestly. Um, And so they had a tumultuous relationship. And so when my grandmother died, they stopped speaking to us and vice versa. And so then when my mom died, my aunt had reached out to me and then, you know, I was still raw from my mother dying. And then she had said some things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way just because. So I haven't spoken to her since my mother died. And when all this went down, I, I was like, well, I got to talk to them. They're the closest thing I have of that life. So I've been talking to her the past couple of days and she's like, you know, this happened for a reason. And the bitch of it is just trying to figure out what the reason is. And I said, well, maybe there's, is the reason is for us to reconnect. I mean, that seems like a big <laughs> A bunch of steps to but who knows so yeah it's obviously still very fresh and listen he, uh, it's a possibility he might come back and i might my test might come back and he might not be yeah and but i have decided i was telling one of our mutual friends this earlier i have decided to just go ahead and accept it because in the long run i think it's easier to say okay this dude is my half brother he's my brother okay great it's just easier right now to accept it and then if it comes back that he's not i'll feel sad for him but it'll be like oh thank god okay okay but if i were to not accept it right now and just wait and then it came back that he was i think that would be more devastating to me in the long run um so i've just decided that it is what it is Um, and we're talking and, um, yeah, it's, um, it's very hard to have one perspective of your childhood and then at 47 years old, have everything go, whoa, wait a second. It, uh, also I think it would be like, if I had found out my mother had given up a child for adoption, it'd be way different because of me and my mom's relationship, um, so that would be way, way, way different. So, I mean, I guess it's it, it's happening the best way it could happen, I guess. <laughs> and so yeah. I I mean, I told him I <laughs> I was like, listen, if this is a scam, I'm poor. Um
1: <laughs> and also then, I that you asked him uh, about his QAnon feelings.
2: Yes, I did. I we were texting and I said, listen, before we go any further, um do you believe that JFK Jr. is alive and going to be uh, Trump's vice president? And he said, no. And then he laughed and he said, those people are crazy. I was like, okay, then we can proceed. So, uh, and then I asked him, DC or you Marvel? And he said, Marvel. So, so far he's passing tests. Um, you know, he, he's from a different culture and also obviously a man and stuff. So there's, there's stuff that I can already tell that we maybe don't sync up on, but it's not, they're not deal breakers, so it's fucking weird. I I can't. I I think my brain somewhere in the middle of yesterday decided to protect me and sort of just put this numbed glaze over itself. So we'll see. Tomorrow might be bad again. I don't. I don't know. My brother's birthday is Monday. So wow. And like I said, that's been the biggest thing this whole time. So we'll see. Um, if my mother was still alive, this would be the week that she was visiting. So she's not that's, alive. So think, I mean, I can't even imagine uh, how this would have gone down had she like been in my home.
1: Yeah, there's, there's um, some reason why this is happening at this particular time yeah. of the year. Yeah. So it's yeah. all so fascinating to me.
2: Oh God. It's just so fucking weird. Uh, so anyway, that is what's <laughs>
1: <laughs> welcome to three funny ladies, everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, a big week, big week.
2: big week, And then, but there's other big news that has nothing to do with that today. Have you seen the big news? I, th- I don't think you really care though. It's about wicked. Have you oh. seen this? Ni- oh yeah. You should, you were the one that shared it. I You're did. the one I found out from. So why don't you talk about it then?
1: Well, the film is cast finally and moving forward. Finally with Cynthia Erivo and Ariana Grande as the two leads. Uh, uh, Yeah. Reaction is split seemingly on Ariana Grande. I just, I mean, I don't, I'm not like railing against it. I just thought she was really terrible in Hairspray live. Her acting, I mean, obviously she can sing and obviously she has acted before, um, but I just thought she was so terrible in Hairspray Live. And I think Cynthia Erivo is going to be amazing.
2: Uh, So I feel really out of the loop. I don't even know who Cynthia, I mean, I know her, I've seen her picture, I know her name, I know of her, I just don't know what she's been in or done, Um, but I love that it's a woman of color. Um, especially since Alpha's green for fuck's sake, so it doesn't matter. Like yeah. my p- <laughs> this is gonna sound strange. My main problem with the Ariana Grande thing when I first saw it was she just looks so much younger than that part usually calls for. And against Cynthia Aribo, just looks it's so that is the first thing. And then, and I didn't see Hairspray Live. Um, and then just her voice like i don't want her to be ariana grande in it and the thing is is that i mean obviously she's got immense fucking talent and she has been on broadway and those things so i know that she can sing it straightforward the way it should be sung um and i hope that's what she does i think if that's what she does um it may be good i just don't want her to ariana grande it.
1: Yeah. And Cynthia Erivo first came to us in the color purple revival. Okay. And she won the Tony for that. And then she just was in that Aretha Franklin miniseries that was on Nat Geo. Okay. okay. Um, she was in that Stephen King I forget what it's called. The out the Outlooker. The Onlooker. The, on the Outsiders? The No.
2: No. The
1: The it starts with an O, right? The onboarders. It
2: does. <laughs> the onboarders. It's a it's about a team of HR people. Uh- <laughs> Stephen King's done it again. The the outsider, I knew that. Just one, just one singular outsider. Just one singular outsider. Just when you thought it was safe to go to to the office,
1: (laughs) Stephen King's on borders. There's no
2: open enrollment. You know that.
1: Um, But here's the other thing too, because you know, and we talked about this briefly recently when madonna did evita she went through yes. vocal lessons and never sounded better in her life and consequently then ray of light was the album that came out right after evita and her voice was in just top form so maybe it'll be that sort of thing too maybe she'll take some lessons or something that will tone down some of the the popisms.
2: yeah it's just that ah that airy bullshit like stop and i and i have i know that she's capable of singing it straightforward so hopefully that's what she does and hopefully they didn't cast her because of the usual singing quality she has so hopefully they cast her based on you know previous work and what they know she can do so uh but the other thing and i don't this has not been confirmed by any article i've read but i've seen Uh, rumors of it is that fucking James Corden is in it as Dr. Dillamont. And I'm like, can he doesn't have to be in every musical here's uh, uh, testing one, two, three, four. He doesn't have to be in every musical. I don't understand the fucking obsession with him. Stop it.
1: I was talking with our friend Vince today about the whole thing. And he was like, who I said, like, my big thing is who's going to be Madame Morrible and he said, it's got to be someone formidable. And I said, Kathy Bates. And he's like, ooh, or Meryl oh Streep. God. And then I'm hearing now Meryl Streep or Emma Thompson.
2: Oh, uh, my God. Oh, my God. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. <laughs> no,
1: no. But then he was like, do you think Joel Grey can still play? And I'm like, I'm sure they'll get someone who's more of a name to be the wizard. Like Clint Eastwood. Oh. <laughs> Joel <laughs> um, Gray would be JK. But he also brought up James Corden. And I was like, ugh, no. Just no, know.
2: yeah. And he, and like I said, I don't know, I haven't seen anything official, but I wouldn't put it past everyone. It's like, can, Jesus, get off this dude's dick. He's not, he's gross. Like, stop, he's weird and gross. Stop it,
1: yeah. And he also, Vince also suggested ali Stoker as the sister. It's her name, Nessa,
2: Nessa, right? Nessa Rose yeah no perfect
1: so, would be so perfect great. yeah
2: although I don't know I just know the soundtrack I have not seen wicked and I can't remember from the book because it is based on um Gregory McGuire's book I think Nessa Rose might walk at some point though mm. I don't think she's
1: well in the book she doesn't have arms So she's not in a wheelchair. She doesn't have arms. I
2: feel like in the show, she might walk at some point, but I, I could be wrong. Um, but if she doesn't, yes, that's, that would be amazing. Yeah. We'll see.
1: I can't believe Joe and I saw that show. I can't believe it's, it opened in 2003. Yeah. God, that was almost 20 years ago. That's That's nuts to me so crazy
2: that's nuts anything anyway anything else what else? anything anything
1: Uh, anything well we have a lot of ground to cover today
2: yeah so we should probably stop with the fucking chit chat (laughs) because we because this is miss judy golland
1: it's a monster week
2: it is a big monstrosity
1: now i'm sure i know the answer to this But your first memory. Wizard of Oz. Of course. Mine too. And I talked about this briefly during the Liza episode some time ago. But, you know, Judy Garland was just very important to me as a young
2: boy. Well, (laughs) Well, friend of Dorothy, yeah. Again,
1: I know. And it's just so crazy. Like, we talked about it a little bit. Just how that works out with the gays. And how, because Joe doesn't have the same affinity for the usuals that I do. Sure. You know. And of course, I mean not everyone does, but it's just you know, she was I had a framed picture of her in my yeah. bedroom um and just books and there was a TV movie about her starring Miss Andrea McCardle. Um, oh like my a, god. Like oh. a, it was a a biopic of hers. I hate you. <laughs>
2: Shut your dirty whore mouth. <laughs>
1: so yeah, she's just been very important to me all my life.
2: She it's she's been very important to me because um, it was one of my mother's favorite movies, and I don't know why they always showed it. And did you? I can't remember. You you grew up in Michigan, yes? Yes. Okay. Um, they always showed it on on easter that's what i was thinking to you
1: i knew it was i was thinking about that today i knew it was once a year that they it would was show easter. it
2: easter yeah and i thought
1: it was easter as well
2: and i it always was like i don't why easter i don't get it um so and we watched it every year yeah um and somewhere over the rainbow is me and my mother's song And I, so I had an affinity towards her because of that. And also I always thought my mom looked like Liza Minnelli when she was younger. Um, She had the little same pixie haircut, little upturned nose. So she holds a special place in my heart. And that's really until today, all I ever saw her in was the Wizard of Oz.
1: Oh, wow. That's crazy. I
2: never saw her in anything
1: else. Wow.
2: Now see. Oh, here's the there's thing. a
1: whole there's a whole world for you then.
2: I don't like older movies, like anything before the 80s. I'm like meh, mm. meh. So, um, that's really why. But yeah, I do love The Wizard of Oz. How do? Did you love The Wizard of Oz, or did oh, you yeah. just okay? Oh,
1: for sure. I mean, I when I was very little, of course, it was very scary. Oh, my God, those fucking monkeys. Oh, my yeah. God. And the Winkies always scared me. And, of course, the witch. And I always, like, loved the Scarecrows. I was always so sad when she would catch them on fire. hmm But, yeah, oh, my God, for sure. I would look, for it, look forward to it so ardently every year. Because, you know, we didn't have the option of just watching it whenever we wanted to.
2: Yeah, you couldn't just wa- I mean, I don't even think we didn't even... We didn't even have a VCR until, this could be very wrong, but I want to say till I was like 12 years old. That's how old we are, folks. And we're not old. I'm only forty seven <laughs> years old, okay It's just technology has just gone so fast. and even when you did have a VCR, like those movies weren't put onto uh, the tape until w- whenever
0: um
1: yeah, till whenever well, till whenever till like yesterday
2: <laughs> um so yeah, you had to wait all year.
1: so what are you gonna tell Easter? us about Judy?
2: Let me tell you something uh, I mean this is there's how many pages i can't even my god okay well first know, of all i know i think
1: mine's like i think mine's four pages
2: she was born francis ethel gum
1: yeah not, none of the three of those work at all
2: none of the three of those work And she was born June 10th, 1922, and she died June 22nd, 1969. Uh, She later changed her name, obviously, to Julie Garland. Um, She was obviously actress, singer, dancer, and television radio presenter. She is uh, widely known for playing the role of Dorothy Gale in The Wizard of Oz in 1939 with a career spanning 45 years she attained international stardom as an actress in both musical and dramatic roles as a recording artist and on a concert stage renowned for her versatility she received an academy award a golden globe award and a special tony award and garland was the first one to win a grammy award for album of the year when she won for her 1961 live recording titled judy at carnegie hall Judy began performing in vaudeville as a child with her two older sisters in a vaudeville group, The Gum Sisters, and was later signed on to Metro, Metro Goldwyn Meyer as a teenager. She appeared in more than two dozen films for MGM. Garland was a frequent on screen partner of both Mickey Rooney. I hate that guy so much. I hate Mickey Rooney so much. Um, and Gene Kelly. And regularly collaborated with director and second husband, Vincent Minnelli. Other starring roles during this period includes, included Meet Me in St. Louis, uh, The Harvey Girls, uh, Easter Parade, Summers and summer stock in 1950 after 15 years with mgm the studio released her amid a series of personal struggles that prevented her from fulfilling the terms of her contract although her film career became intermittent afterwards and two of garland's most critically acclaimed roles came later in her career she received a nomination for the academy award for best actress for her performance in a star is born and a nomination for Best Supporting Actress for her performance in *Judgment at Nuremberg*. She also made record-breaking, uh, well, she also made record-breaking concert appearances, released eight studio albums, and hosted her own Emmy-nominated television television series, *The Judy Garland Show*. At 39, she became the youngest and first female recipient of the C- Cecil B. DeMille Award um, for Lifetime Achievement in the Film industry 39 to get a lifetime achievement award in 1997 garland was posthumously awarded the grammy lifetime achievement award several of her recordings have been included into the grammy hall of fame and in 1999 the american film institute ranked her as the eighth greatest female screen legend of classic hollywood cinema um garland struggled in her personal life from an early age the pressures of early stardom affected her physical and mental health from the time she was a teenager her self-image was influenced by constant criticism from film executives who believed that she was physically unattractive which are you fucking kidding me she is like a little porcelain doll she is so cute and who manipulated her on-screen personal appearance throughout her adult adulthood oh my god adulthood she was plagued by alcohol and substance abuse disorders as well as financial instability often owing hundreds of thousands of dollars in back taxes her lifelong substance oh fuck sorry i didn't know this and i just read ahead a little bit her lifetime substance abuse disorder ultimately led to her death in london from an accidental uh barbiturate overdose at the age of 47 which is my current age <laughs> garland was a lifelong and relatively active democrat during her lifetime she was a member of the hollywood dramatic committee and a financial and moral supporter of various causes including the civil rights movement uh, let's see. In September 1947, Garland joined the Committee for the First Amendment, a group formed in Hollywood uh, by Hollywood celebrities in support of the Hollywood Ten during its hearings uh, of the House Un-American Activities Committee, an investigative the pepper an investigative. Committee of the United States House of Representatives, led by J. Parnell Thomas, which was formed to investigate alleged disloyalty and subversive activities on the part of private citizens. Um, let's see. Uh, there is so freaking homage. Okay, Garland was friend of President John F. Kennedy and his wife Jacqueline, and she often vacationed in Hyannisport, Massachusetts uh the house she stayed in during her vacations in hyannisport are known as the judy garland house because of her association with the property uh garland would often cause, uh, would call the president weekly often ending her phone calls by singing the f- the first few bars of over the rainbow uh, on september 16th 1963 garland along with daughter liza Carolyn Jones, June Allison, and Allison's daughter Pam Powell held a press conference to highlight and protest the recent bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, that resulted in the death of four young African American girls. They expressed their shock at the events and requested funds for the families of the victims. Pam Powell and Liza Minnelli both announced their intention to attend the funerals of the victims during the press conference. In 1963, Garland sued Sidney Left for divorce on the grounds of mental cruelty. She also asserted that he had repeatedly struck her while he was drinking and that he had even attempted to take their children from her by force. She had filed for divorce from Luft on several previous occasions, even as early as 1956, but they reconciled each time. She married Mickey Deans three months before her death in March of 1969. Garland was left in a desperate situation that uh, that saw her sell her Brentwood home at a price far below its value. On June 22, 1969, Garland was found dead in the bathroom of her rented house um, in Belgrave, London. At the inquest coroner, Gavin Thurston stated that the cause of death was an incautious self-overdosage of barbiturates. Her blood contained the equivalent of 10 1.5 1.5 grain secanol capsules. Oh, my good God. Thurston stressed that the overdose had been unintentional and no evidence suggested that she had died by suicide. Garland's autop- autopsy showed no inflammation of her stomach lining and no drug residue in her stomach, which indicated that the drug had been ingested over a long period of time rather than a single dose. Her death, her death certificate stated that she her death was accidental. Supporting the accidental cause, Garland's physician noted that a prescription of 25 barbiturate pills were found on her bedside table, half empty, and another bottle of 100 barbiturates was still unopened. A British specialist who had attended Garland's autopsy stated that she had nevertheless been living on borrowed time owing to psoriasis, although a second autopsy conducted later reported no evidence of alcoholism or psoriasis, which that seems... Not correct. Her Wizard of Oz co star Ray Bolger commented at her funeral, she was just plain more out. Forensic pathologist Jason Payne James believed that Garland had an eating disorder and that it was most likely bulimia, which contributed to her death. After Garland's body had been embalmed, deans traveled with her remains to New York City on June 26, where an estimated 20,000 people lined up to pay their respects um let's see upon garland's death despite having earned millions during her career her estate came up to u.s forty thousand dollars uh years of mismanagement of her financial affairs by her representatives and staff along with her generosity toward family and various causes resulted in her poor financial situation at the end of her life in her last will signed and sealed in early 1961 garland made many generous bequests that could not be fulfilled well because her estate had been in debt for many years Her daughter, Liza Minnelli, worked to pay off her mother's debt with help of family friend, Frank Sinatra. In 1978, a selection of Garland's personal items was auctioned off by her ex-husband, Sidney Luft, with the support of their daughter, Lorna, and their son, Joe. Almost 500 items, ranging from copper cookware to musical instruments, uh, musical arrangements, sorry, were offered for the sale. The auction raised $250,000 for her heirs. At the request of her children, Garland's remains were disinterred from Ferncliff Cemetery in January 2017 and reinterred interned uh, 2,800 miles away across the country at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Los Angeles. So that's, Seven. that's yeah, 47, my God.
1: And the day of her funeral is the same day the Stonewall riots began.
2: Yep. Mm.
1: Did you see Judy, the movie with Renee Zellweger?
2: I did not. I did not.
1: I liked it. People are torn. I liked it. I cried most of the way through it, but.
2: And uh, did you, uh, did you think she did a. I did. I thought
1: she was, I thought she was very good. I thought it was very brave of her to do her own singing. Oh, she did do um, her own singing. Yeah.
2: Did she do her own singing in Chicago?
1: She did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But and
2: you sound like Julie Gar- Judy Garland is different.
1: Yes. Uh, was nominated for a Grammy Award for it.
2: Holy crap. All but right. Didn't win.
1: So, uh, as you mentioned, she performed in vaudeville with her sisters, uh, Mary Jane and Dorothy, which is interesting. Yes. Uh, they toured the vaudeville circuit as the Gum Sisters. Uh, but when they were performing in Chicago, George Jessel was performing also. This was in 1934. And he mm. encouraged them to change their name because the gum sisters was often met with laughter from the audience. Yeah. It's, and it's real bad. I know one time they were billed as the glum sisters oh, by accident. No! <laughs> so it's a mystery as to who came up with Garland, but they started touring as the Garland sisters. Uh, and then in September of 1935, Louis B. Mayer, asked songwriter Burton Lane to go to the Orpheum circuit, or not the Orpheum circuit, the Orpheum theater in downtown Los Angeles, where they were performing. So he went, and then a few days later, Judy and her father were brought in for an impromptu audition at Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. She performed Zing with the Strings of My Heart, and she was immediately signed to a contract with MGM. So the problem was Mm -hmm. they signed her, but then they didn't know what to do with her. She was a little older. Uh, than the traditional child stark. She was 13 at the time, but she was too young for adult roles. Plus, according to them, her physical appearance was a dilemma because she was only, I know four and a half, four feet, 11 and a half inches tall. But here's the, here's the thing because she was at MGM. So MGM was really known as like the glamorous, studio so like Ava Gardner was there, Lana Turner, Elizabeth Taylor and then you have Judy Garland who is not a classic screen beauty like these other women were. Sure. And so you don't and she's also young, you know, she's in that mm-hmm. in between stage. So they didn't re- really know what to do with her. And so um also part of the problem is that uh Louis B. Mayer Uh, Would constantly refer to her as his little hunchback, which I'm sure does a lot for one's self-esteem, especially when you're a teenager.
2: When you're a a girl teenager. I mean, Jesus. And to look at her and to know how beautiful she is and to think that people are disparaging about her appearance is mind-blowing to me.
1: Yeah, yeah so she really came to the attention of studio executives when she sang a special arrangement of you made me love you to clark gable at a birthday party that the studio arranged for him and then her rendition was so well regarded that she performed the song in the all-star extravaganza broadway melody of 1938 when she sang it to a photograph of him so they finally decided to pair her with Mickey Rooney, who also I think is a total pos. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a string of what were known as backyard musicals, and so they put her in the Andy Hardy series, and uh, their par- screen partnership took off. People loved them together; they adored them. The, um, they were paired as lead characters for the first time in *Babes at Arms*, which was in came out in 1939. And then uh, when she was 16 in 1938, she was ultimately cast in The Wizard of Oz. Uh, she was not the first choice, of course, for the role. Uh, Louis B. Mayer really wanted Shirley Temple, who was yeah. under contract at 20th Century Fox. But they would not loan her out. Uh, and so then they wanted Deanna Durbin, but she was unavailable. And so they are like... Well, I guess we'll just use this lady then, this girl.
2: And she's, I God, that yeah. b- breaks my heart. So the,
1: so the Wizard of Oz was a tremendous critical success and uh, brought her, her only Academy Award, which was an Academy Juvenile Award for her performance in both the Wizard of Oz and Babes at Arms. After that, she did a series of films for MGM, the Harvey girls, meet me in St. Louis for me and my gal Easter parade, which paired her with Fred Astaire, uh, was a huge success. So they immediately reteamed them together. Judy and Fred Astaire and the Barclays of Broadway. But during the filming, uh, she was taking a lot of pills, a lot of barbiturates, a lot of sleeping pills, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of illicitly obtained pills containing morphine. Uh, And so it was around this time that she also developed a serious alcohol problem. Mm -hmm. So all of these issues caused her to miss several days of shooting in a row. Uh, And so she was ultimately let go from the film and she was replaced by Ginger Rogers. When her suspension was over, she came back to work at MGM. She was in the Rodgers and Hart biopic, uh, Words and Music, (laughs) which was her last film appearance with Mickey Rooney. And then she replaced June Allison, who was pregnant, in the musical In the Good Old Summertime, uh, which was a tremendous success for her. Right after that film, she was cast in the film adaptation of Annie Get Your Gun. She was very nervous about taking this role because the role was so strongly identified with Ethel Merman. Uh Uh, Busby Berkeley was directing. They did not get along. Uh, So ultimately, she tried to have Busby Berkeley fired. Uh, That did not work. Uh, So she started arriving late to the set. Sometimes she just wouldn't show up. And she was also at this time undergoing electroshock therapy for depression. And ultimately, she was fired from Andy Get Your Gun and replaced by Betty Hutton. So also with the end of that film came the end of her time at MGM. Mm. She then took time to do concert appearances and all of that. So then in 1954, she signed with Warner Brothers for the remake of A Star is Born, with James Mason, directed by the great George Cukor, and uh, things started well, um, but quickly took a wrong turn. She began missing again. She began showing up late. Uh, the whole filming of that movie took ten months um, because of delays. Mm. After that, she was nominated for an Academy Award. It's uh, she lost, and it's still to this day one of the biggest controversies in Oscar history really?
0: that she did not
1: win. Yeah, uh, and then she went on to be, uh, appear in Judgment at Nuremberg, for which she was also nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, she's so good in that. She's in does a voice in the animated movie Gay Paree, which I have never seen. And uh, in 1961, she appeared at Carnegie Hall, which was a highlight, one of the greatest nights in show business history. Uh, The two album, two record album, Judy at Carnegie Hall was certified gold charting for 95 weeks on the billboard charts, including 13 weeks at number one. Uh, It won four Grammy awards, including album of the year and best female vocal of the year. Still to this day, considered a seminal work. Mm. She was then cast in 1967 in the role of Helen Lawson in Valley of the Dolls, which, oh, if only that could have been. Uh, There's footage of her in wardrobe tests for it. Um, Apparently, she was treated very poorly by the director uh, of that film, Mark Robson. He really, the word is that he really wanted her cast to really drum up publicity for the film. Um, Ultimately, she was fired from the film and replaced by Susan Hayworth, who is fine in it, but she's no Judy Garland. Uh, She returned to the stage uh, at the Palace Theater in 1967 for a 27-show stand, performing with uh, her children, Lorna Luft and Joey Luft. And, uh, she wore a sequin pantsuit, uh, for this tour that she ended up stealing from her Valley of the Dolls wardrobe tests, Uh, which I think is lovely. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, in 1969, uh, her health had deteriorated so much, but she needed the money. So she went to London to perform at talk of the town for a five week run. And this is what the Renee Zellweger movie is all about, Mm -hmm. uh, and she was paid the paltry sum of 2,500 pounds £2, a week, which is wow. not a lot of money for someone of her caliber. And then we know the rest of of her.
0: Hmm.
1: Just a sad, sad, sad life.
0: Yeah.
1: And all of that fucking talent.
2: Just. Oh God, it's so fucking sad.
1: So, what was your movie?
0: Well, I think it'll
2: come as no surprise that it was the wizard of Oz. Yes, just because it does have such a place in my heart. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I love it. It scared the shit out of me when I, those, those fucking monkeys, even watching it today, I was like, God, they're still creepy.
1: <laughs> they, they really are.
2: God like they were trying as hard as possible to make them as i mean i guess yeah that would be the point but it's like um the wizard of oz was released in 1939 it's an american musical fantasy film produced by mgm it's an adaptation of L. Frank Baum's 1900 children's fantasy novel, *The Wizard of Oz*. The film was primarily directed by Victor Fleming, who left to uh, take over the production to take over the um, uh, troubled production of *Gone with the Wind*. It stars Judy Garland, Frank Morgan, Ray Bulger, Bert Lahr. Uh, I don't think I said the name right. Jack Haley, Billy Burke, and Margaret Hamilton. Uh, Let's see. Characterized by its use of technicolor, fantasy storytelling, musical score, and memorable characters, The Wizard of Oz was moderately successful upon its original release of August 25. Why do I not... August 25th, August twenty-five. What is wrong with me? 1939. Mm -hmm. The film was considered a critical success and was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, winning two categories. Best Original Song for Over the Rainbow, and the best original score. While the film was sufficiently popular at the box office, it failed to make a profit for MGM until its nineteen forty nine re release. Um do, do, do do in the 1956 television broadcast premiere of the film on cbs network reintroduce the film to the public according to the library of congress it is the most seen film in movie history in 1989 it was selected by the u.s library of congress as one of the first 25 films for preservation in the national film registry for being culturally historically and aesthetically significant it is also one of the few films on unesco's memory of the world register it is among the top 10 in the 2005 bfi british film institute list of 50 films to be seen by the age of 14 and it is on the bfi's updated list of 50 films to be seen by the age of 15 So they're gonna have one free change jesus the wizard of oz has become the source of many quotes referenced in contemporary popular culture the film ranks often on critics' critics lists of greatest films of all time. And it was one of the most comically successful adaptations, commercially successful, you idiot, adaptation of L. L. Frank Baum's work. Um, And there's also another little tidbit. There's three things that you can never joke about in improv because uh, it will never be funny. The audience will never laugh at them. And one of them... Is the Wizard of Oz.
1: How interesting. I never heard that before.
2: And people try it, and it never works. It's never funny.
1: Wow. Isn't that so weird? Yeah.
2: It's so weird. (laughs) So, uh, uh, people, I mean, there's tons of little tidbits about... The Wizard of Oz, but the one that first came up that I thought was the most interesting was the studio didn't like Over the Rainbow. They thought it went on for far too long and they were going to cut it for
1: time. Wow, that's crazy.
2: Right? And really, it's not that long. It's actually a shorter song. Like, if you go up and look up the lyrics, I promise you it's a shorter song than what you remember. It has fewer words than what you remember. I promise you.
1: I have never... Thought that song was long.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um Hamilton's green face paint was so toxic that she couldn't eat it once it was applied because if any came off of her lips into her mouth, she would die. Ooh. Which, you know, uh maybe use something else. Um, plus her face stayed green for weeks after. Um On top of the physical torture, most of the uh, Wicked Witches scenes had to be edited or cut completely after being too terrifying for children. (laughs) So what you see is the unscary
1: version. (laughs) I beg to differ.
2: You're right. The stunning Billy Burke, who played Glinda the Good Witch of the North, was 54 years old at the time of filming. Wow. She was 18 years older than Margaret Hamilton,
1: who is the Wicked Witch of the West. Wow. That's right? crazy.
2: Um, the prosthetics for the Scarecrow's face left a pattern on his face for a year. Wow. Um, a woman can be heard saying, Where are wherefore art thou, Romeo? In the scarecrow song, If I only had a brain. The woman who sang this was the voice of Snow White. Oh. It was her single line in the entire movie, and she was paid
1: $1,000. Wow, which was probably a shit ton a of money back shit then.
2: shit ton. The um Cowardly Lion, his costume was made of real pelts, which is crazy to me. But then his beard, his face makeup... Um, was brown paper bag.
1: Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Um, and then the horses, when they're different colors, mm-hmm. uh, they were colored with jello. Oh,
1: wow. Um, and in
2: 1974, Garland's daughter, Liza Minnelli, married producer Jack Haley Jr., whose father was Jack Haley.
1: Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I knew that.
2: Um, according to the researchers at the University of Turin, this movie is the most influential film, meaning that it has influenced more films than any other single film. The Wizard of Oz beat out Star Wars and Psycho. It's a vi- I, I, who is your favorite character? I, I'm going to say you probably thought Dorothy. So aside from Dorothy, who is your favorite character?
1: The Scarecrow, for sure.
2: Okay. I think I like the lion.
1: I don't know. It's remarkable I, uh, because, of course, I've seen this movie so many times, but I haven't seen it in a, quite a while. Uh-huh. So it was really lovely to revisit it with mm-hmm. sort of fresh eyes and just being older.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: is for being 82 years old. Jesus. It is remarkable. Mm-hmm. The special effects are so good. The twister looks Great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The even the Cowardly Lion, his tail moves somehow on its own,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: which I uh, is just so amazing. The things that they were able to do in fucking 1938, 1939. I know it's crazy. It is so crazy. I mean, there's really not. And just, I was delighted all over again, going into color, which is just mm-hmm. so genius of them, the choice they made. I love that the beginning and end are sepia toned and not just black and white. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there's just like, it really is like everything they did in this movie was just the right choice. Mm -hmm. And even like the wizard, when he's the actual, just the head wizard, you know, not the head wizard, but you know what I'm saying? um,
0: Yeah.
1: Looks great. Like it just all looks so good. And not schlocky. I mean, like, you know, you watch the original King Kong, which was, you know, out in, I think, 1933, that you watch it now and you're like, "Eh, that's that looks schlocky. But like this, you like, I don't ever have that reaction watching this movie.
0: No,
2: no. I mean, there's moments where like, oh, that's kind of quaint how, you know, they didn't have the technology and that's how they did it. But it's it's well done for the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For, so you or, never sure. you never
2: scoff at it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Margaret Hamilton is just could Ugh. not be scarier. I just even when she's riding that bike at the beginning when she's Miss Gulch, like just right? her posture is just so ramrod straight on that mm-hmm, bike.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's um, just I think it's so genius having the three of them be the farmhands at the beginning. I, I know. I always hated when she falls into the pig sty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just such. I mean, obviously, it's a classic for a reason, but it just—it still stands the test of time.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All these
1: years later, I think it's just such a great, great movie. And in every, really, in every aspect, I think the music is great. It looks great. The special effects, the just everything, the performances. I just think it's a great movie.
2: Her voice, and not just her singing voice, but her speaking voice to me, is just so pretty. And I, I could just listen to her talk all the time. Yeah. Fun fact, uh, our marching band show my senior year of high school was Wizard of Oz. And I played the Wicked Witch, and I got to melt at the end. Oh, even that looks so great, great in melt. the movie
1: when she gets melted. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. just so All of it is just so good. How did you melt? Yeah,
2: that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, the water. They threw, wa- quote unquote, water at me but it was glitter and streamers. And then I don't remember. I think it was one of those things where I pulled the costume off of me or there was like another costume. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know. Listen, I don't know. I don't know. I was a senior in high school, but I think in a weird way, she was my favorite character aside from Dorothy. The witch. Yeah. Yeah. I identified with her. I don't know. She's got angst. You know what I'm saying? She knows what she wants. She goes after it at all costs. She's driven. Um, she and I just really admired that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, every everyone's seen this movie. If you haven't, you need to.
1: Yeah. Or just revisit it if it's been a while. Yeah. It's just a lovely experience. It's like an hour and 40 minutes. It's like super. It goes by. It's so just quick. really... A lovely revisit.
2: Yeah, and uh, also still,
1: I love it. I think of there's a Family Guy episode where they do a cutaway of The Wizard of Oz, and it's the where Dorothy is leaving, and she goes to the Scarecrow, and she says, "I think I'll miss you most of all."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then on the Family Guy episode, she says that to the Scarecrow, and the, the Lion and the Tin Man are like, "Really? We're, <laughs> we're, we're standing right here.
0: We're right fucking here." <laughs>
1: yeah it's it's really lovely i'm glad you picked it it was just so nice to revisit it
2: Mm -hmm. it really was it really really was i love that movie and i i can't wait to show lillian but i think the monkeys will scare the crap out of her those monkeys man they're fucking terrifying
1: yeah even when like she the witch flies when she's doing the sky riding, just all of it is just so great yeah so great
2: Oh, those god I'm sorry, those fucking monkeys. (laughs) The fact that they're monkeys with wings is just And they're big. And they're they're like (laughs) chill.
1: Oh
2: yeah, they're funny. Um what uh did you have us watch?
1: Uh I chose the hilarious film. Oh my god. (laughs) A Star Is Born. I knew that it was not going to be live up to the title of our podcast, because it is not. A funny movie by any stretch. Sure, sure, sure. But I had to talk about it because sure, I sure, love sure. it and because she is so good in this movie.
2: She is really good. But I feel, but it's so odd when you were talking about her behavior. That movie is sort of parallels what she was doing in real life because the male character is really doing that in the movie.
1: Yes. And so that's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. Did you like it?
2: I did. It was real long. It was real, 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 real long.
1: It is long. And if it, I'll talk about this in a second, but this is the restored version. Um, so there are long-ish sections that are just like the Stills. soundtrack, like the dialogue. And then that
0: free
2: out. I was like, what is happening now?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah, it'll be just a still picture, but with the dialogue over it, and then I'll cut yeah. back to like what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Um. um so sorry. Oh, I did like it. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Jack, go sorry.
1: Ahead. Uh, like I said, directed by George Cukor, opened October sixteenth, nineteen fifty four. But on October twenty second, nineteen fifty four, Warner Brothers pulled it, uh, and they removed twenty seven minutes from it, and then re released it on November first, uh, nineteen fifty four. Wow. Uh, George Cukor originally wanted Cary Grant to play Norman Maine, uh, but he turned it down. And so ultimately uh, it was given to James Mason, who I think is so good in this movie too.
2: He is. He really is. Um,
1: And also uh, as the months passed on the filming of this, George Cukor was forced to deal not only with constant script changes, uh, but an unstable leading lady Unfortunately, who was plagued by her chemical dependencies, significant weight fluctuations, which you can tell in this um, and her illnesses and her hypochondria. After considerable footage had been shot, studio executives decided that they wanted the film to be their first Cinemascope movie. So they had to scrap everything and start over.
2: Oh, my God.
1: I know because the filming methods were different using Cinemascope. Uh, in March, 1954, a rough cut still missing several musical numbers was assembled and George Cukor had mixed feelings about it when the last scene was filmed in the early morning hours of July twenty eighth, 1954, he had already left the production and was unwinding in Europe. So the born in the trunk, born in trucks, trunk sequence, which is that lengthy musical number, um, sort of in the middle was added after he had left. And was supervised by her professional mentor, Roger Edens. Mm. She was on her best behavior during the early days of the shooting, but she slowly lost control. She first called in sick on November 9th, which kept her off the film for four days. And then she got sick again shooting outdoor locations and missed three more days. She was sick again for two days in December. Then they had to postpone a scene because she didn't like her costume. Other days she had to leave early because she was too tired or too sick to go on. And by February, they were 41 days behind schedule.
0: Oh my God. In late
1: March, she took two weeks off to get herself off of all of her prescription medications. And then ultimately, the production would drag on for a total of 10 months. When she lost the Oscar that year, Groucho Marx sent her a note saying that her not winning the Oscar was, quote, the biggest robbery since Brinks. Hedda Hopper later reported that her loss to Grace Kelly for The Country Girl was the result of the closest Oscar vote up till that time that didn't end in a tie with just six votes separating the two of them. In any event, wow. it was a heartbreak. I know it was a heartbreak from which she never really recovered and which has remained a matter of some controversy ever since. Wow. I know she, I, and I've seen the country kind of girl, Grace Kelly is good in it, but she Judy Garland should have won. Um, and so uh later on in the 70s and the late 70s uh film historian roger haver was doing a george Cukor rep- retrospective at the los angeles county museum of art and for the showing of a star was born he put together a brochure featuring stills from the scenes that warner brothers had cut warner brothers the original length of the film was the one that we watched which was just under three hours warner brothers yeah. was concerned because the theaters would not be able to show it as many times in a day with the longer time, which is why Mm -hmm. they pulled it and cut it to make it shorter so that they could cram in more screenings.
0: Sure.
1: So this film historian put together this brochure with stills of the scenes that were cut and descriptions of what was missing. So this triggered interest at Warner brothers where an apprentice film editor discovered the complete three hour soundtrack, just the sound and dialogue from the film in the sound department storage vaults and so that was what they used for this restoration but the the film of it had already been damaged or destroyed and they were not able to use that which is the result of the stills that they use in the film so they premiered this restoration in 1983 and lorna left and liza minnelli were there and then apparently um, after the filming they had to repair to a separate room where they just could not stop crying for like 20 minutes because they were so moved by by it. But I just think it's just lovely. Have you seen the newest one? The newest star is born?
2: I have not, but I love Judy Garland's rendition of Shallow better than (laughs) (laughs) No, I haven't I have not.
1: I have not. It's also very good. Um I just that scene at the Academy Awards is mortifying. Oh, my God. God. I just feel so bad for her. But her dress. Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Oh, my God, that dress. And just everything that she does in this film, all of those lengthy musical numbers. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, there are black people in this movie. But then they had the black people tap dance. So I was like, "Uh." yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. But I was so
1: surprised to see those two African-American kids that she was dancing with.
2: It is, how, do you know how old she was? I keep meaning to look it up. Do you know how old she was when she filmed that?
1: She was, how, what year was she born?
2: 1922.
1: Okay. So she would have been 32, 33. 32. Now listen,
2: she's a beautiful woman.
1: She already looks rough. Yeah, she had, she, I mean, when she died, I you, I could not believe that she was only 47. Just from the looks of her. Like, Ray yeah. Bolger was correct. Like, she just wore herself out with everything that she did to her body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And also, I was reading some stuff today that uh, she had an abortion. She was pregnant with someone's baby. Glenn Ford, maybe? Uh, in the, and I know she had an abortion when she was married. I don't think she was married to Sid Luft yet. But just, like, so much... She did to herself.
2: She just did it all.
1: Yeah, yeah. But so talented, and that's really why Sweet. I chose this film because it's just all on display—just the depth of her emotions, mm-hmm. her singing, her dancing. Um, just so so talented.
2: They in that movie, it there's the parallel also too is there's a big chunk of it where her appearances they try to. You know, they make her wear a blonde wig and they yep. try to do this and this and that. And when she came out, I was like, because, because watching the movie, I was like, I know, I don't know how old she is, but I know she looks older than she is. You just know it as you're yep. watching it. And then when they quote unquote make her over, I'm like, well, now she even looks 10 years older than <laughs> she did. What is that? That's not what we're going for. <laughs> yeah, it is just a sad just so sad.
1: I do love, I think like the mid fifties is just one of my favorite fashion eras for yes. women. Yes. Like, I just think the dresses are all so cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, like the man that got away, one of the best songs ever written. Yeah. I just, I really, really love this movie. I love just when he gets the ax from the studio and then he's like pretty chill about it. And then there's that, she comes home and he's made dinner, like sandwiches Mm -hmm. and that big salad. And -hmm. he's like, just so proud of her and so happy Mm -hmm. for her. And then that delivery man comes and calls him Mr. Lester. And then that's just changes everything. And I just Mm -hmm. love that moment because he's so good because it just all falls away. And I'm just like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: he's really good in this. I mean, I could half the time take or leave James Mason, but I think he's very good in this movie. Yeah
2: yeah oh just the, oh and just the way but they, the the way they speak to women too like when she leaves the bed ba- oh you're foolish you're foolish i'll, be, I'll send you money you're, you're making a mistake
0: Yeah,
2: see here get away sticks no that's not no one ever said that um nor does it even make sense but the parallels to her real life that were actually happening at that time is just stunning to me.
1: Yeah, I read. I was reading something that said like it that about that point because James Mason continued working all the way up until he died, and she was really the one who was like their characters were flip flopped. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So yeah, and then that's the a end.
0: Star is born. Ugh.
1: Yeah. I'm
2: crying. At the- oh. Ah. It's just yeah. I mean, it's 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 long.
1: There's an intermission uh, in it. There's an intermission.
2: Oh, <laughs> and and they did this in older movies. Uh, if you need an intermission, please consider in a film, please consider uh, cutting some shit. <laughs> Just consider it. Cause you should not need, need an intermission. <laughs> I felt like that whole stuff at the top was extraneous. They could have cut that very easily.
1: And those benefits, both of them that, Sandwiched the film at the beginning, end of the end, like what the fuck is this? There's like people on horses and white women wearing Native American headdresses, yeah, yeah, and clowns and like Pieros and Pierettes and like what the fuck kind of
2: like just that's where you could have cut, just yeah, chop chop,
1: just so bizarre. Um,
2: spoiler, listen, the movie's really old, okay, um. I'm confused as to how he kills himself. Like you can't purposely drown yourself. It's impossible. You can. You can't because you're bo- not purposely because your body reacts. Your body involuntarily saves your life. So you have to... Be in some sort of undertow, you have to stick yourself under some sort of rock. It has to be one of those sorts of scenarios because your body instinctively and involuntarily saves you. And so he takes off his rock because I'm thinking, okay, he's going to go in with a bunch of rocks, which I still, who cares? It's a bunch of rocks. But he takes off his robe and he's butt naked. Uh, and for all of the world to see that ass. Yes, well, plus it
1: was the 50s, so.
2: So I that confused me. Because he's, it's not accidental. I mean, he's killing himself, yes?
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. For they sure. They just spun it, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Yeah, so it just, um I was just confused as to how that would really be sort of possible.
1: But other than that, great film. <laughs> so that is our hysterical story of the week
2: okay the yeah, story of really. judy
1: garland <laughs>
2: i i started us off with a bang and then we went into the depressing life of
1: judy garland and
2: um so but both of these it,
1: films are on hbo max if you have that as a streaming service now you have been saving this WePod. you've had this in your back pocket for some time that we're I about truly to
2: do have i haven't actually i have to look it up because now i have forgotten this was a suggestion um someone slid into our dms all six all seductively steph k has requested that we do a wee pod on the tiff uh tiffany haddish stand-up special black mitzvah all right So that's what we'll do. I know that we um, already have covered Tiffany Haddish, but
1: there are no rules here. No. None whatsoever.
2: So that's what we're going to do. All
1: right. Black Mitzvah, we're coming for you.
2: (laughs) We are coming for you. Get ready. So that's (laughs) what we're going to do next week. Do you have any inkling, just out of curiosity, who your lady is going to be?
1: Yes, I do. But I'm going to save that.
2: All right mystery (laughs) well gosh darn we've just had so much hysterical lap knee slapping fun with you guys today yeah
1: so hopefully you'll (laughs) come back next week
2: (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys (laughs) um yeah so follow us on the insta we've changed our handle
1: we have funny
2: ladies podcast
1: yes so hit us up there Also, you can write to us, which is still just three funny ladies at Uh, gmail.com.
2: That's that was my question. Um, So, yeah. Write us an email. Slide into our DMs.
1: Yeah. And then smash that like button.
2: (laughs) I hate you.
1: (laughs) And we'll see you or talk to you next week.
2: We
0: sure will. Bye. Bye. Bye now.